0: You know, one of the key takeaways from my pastor's evaluation a month or so ago, was that I could stand to lighten up a bit. Let go of some anxiety. So I chose the most light-hearted book of the Bible there is for a sermon series. I know that the readings can be a bit long. The details about priestly vestments, the orim and thumim, the ephod and... You girdle the blood and the oil, the bull and the goat. All these things are foreign to our understanding of worship. It can be difficult to find a way to connect. So I thank you again for sticking it out till the end. I promise you that this is going somewhere. We heard last week about the elaborate rituals for sacrifice. This week we're at the elaborate rituals for ordination. And I have to say, I don't envy seven-day waiting period uh, the, in, for ordination in Leviticus. After all, where do you go to the bathroom if you can't leave the tent? But in another sense, I do envy them. Their ordination period, their period of waiting was seven days. From the first day of my son of first class of seminary to my ordination day was about six years. So... You could say mine was longer, even if I didn't have to stay in one place. But it doesn't really matter in the end, whether six, seven days or six years, one thing is constant. Partnership with God is serious business, and it needs to be taken seriously. That's true whether or not we're ordained. All of us are called to some form of partnership with the Lord for the sake of the gospel. The kernel of this holy partnership isn't just in Leviticus, though. It stretches back to the garden, to God's commissioning of the first man and woman. Their mission statement, you'll recall, was rather simple, two parts. Take care of the earth, and take care of each other. Of course, it didn't work so well, they failed to do that. So throughout the Old Testament, we hear of God's work to restore partnership with humanity. God first focuses on individuals like Abraham and Sarah or clans, families like Jacob's family. By the time of Leviticus, God's partnership is with an entire people, that of Israel. But there was a need for some to take responsibility for certain tasks on behalf of the whole community. Priests were to oversee the ritual life of the community, to take care of the tabernacle and the offering of sacrifices. Prophets were called to intercede, to speak the word of the Lord to the people, and the people's words back to the Lord, to stand in the breach. And while God wasn't fond of this last idea, in fact, in 1 Samuel you hear the first anti-big government speech in the Bible, God does call kings as well. Reluctantly, but God does call kings to rule God's people, to protect them from their enemies, and to uphold the law. Kings fail to do these things most of the time, but the fact still remains that God was and is determined to be in partnership with human beings for the sake of God's saving work, despite humanity's weaknesses. Which is bizarre when you think about it. It's it's crazy. What at use, after all, does a holy, mighty, immortal God have for sacrifices? What need does God have for human beings to speak to other human beings for God? What need does God have for certain humans, at least in the Old Testament, to rule other humans? Couldn't God take care of these things without human help? What well, the prophets point out how God has no need of sacrifices. Micah puts the point well. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings and with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul. He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with your God. No, God has no need for our sacrifices, for our prayers, for our good works. God has no need for our worship, for our praise music, for traditional hymnody. God has no need for our offerings, for our time, for our efforts. But, as Luther would say, our neighbor does. And we need them too. All these rites and rituals in Leviticus correspond to human needs. What we need. Humans need access to God, who is above and beyond our greatest imaginings. And God, in God's grace, gives us that access. Some folks are set apart for certain tasks in the community, not because they are inherently better or holier than anyone else, but because the community needs them. And by the way, if the stories in the Bible are any clue, God chooses people for service not because, not because of their goodness, but despite their badness in a lot of cases. Sometimes the community doesn't think they need these folks. Prophets were often rejected by the communities they served, but the community needed them all the same. The community of God is in constant need of God's word, whether in word or ritual. We don't live by bread alone, as Deuteronomy states in Jesus' quotes. We live by every word that comes from God. God chooses partners to carry the word of life, the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether in ritual word or good works. Just as God commissioned Aaron's sons to be servants for the ritual, Jesus commissions the disciples to be servants of the gospel. There's something about the way God works in human affairs. It's it's rare for God to go lone wolf. God most often works through means. At least in the scriptural revelation, God works through means. God's grace is most often experienced through physical things. Through a word, through water, through bread, through wine. Even through ordinary, flawed, sinful people like us. People like the disciples. People like the women at the tomb. People like the sons of Aaron. People like Esther, Ruth, Hulda, Deborah, and Jael. People who have been called by God through the Holy Spirit for God's work in their context, for holy partnership. All the details in this text from Leviticus are interesting, at least to me. But they serve to illustrate that greater truth. The priestly attire, the oil, the blood, the sacrifices, the meal, the time of waiting, and the blessing of the entire community illustrates that God chooses people to carry the word of life, so much so that God became human for our salvation. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, was the ultimate means, the ultimate sign of God's love for us. So remember this. God doesn't just want to save you. God wants you And need to be partners with him. Whatever humble way that we can be. For the sake of the saving gospel of Jesus Christ who died and rose again for the life of the world. Thanks be to God.